Hi, my name is Sean Shaler, and this is my friend Chris Ford, aka The Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter. And we have a ton of very exciting stuff for you today. An exciting episode of the TV show Avatar The Last Airbender, as well as an exciting episode, hopefully directly related, of the podcast. And we will get to breaking that down, but we got a few things we're going to cover first. Uh, as always, first we'll jump into some news and nonsense, or at least that's what I like to call it, starting with some of Chris's latest videos. He's gotten a few out since the last time we have talked. And talk just a little bit about the Electronic Entertainment Expo, a.k.a. E3, a.k.a. Terrible Misnomer. Not a lot of electronic entertainment outside of video games. <laughs> Probably not a great name for it. And then finally, we're going to have a stellar debate. Maybe not a super long one, but I'll, uh, you know, I think super stellar debate about Toph versus Boomy. Who is the better Earthbender? And we're going to do all that. Then we're going to break down the episode step by step like we always do. Should be a lot of fun. It's one of our favorite episodes, I think, and we're really looking forward to this debate. And a lot's happened since the last time we met. So that being said, Chris, how you doing? I am doing fantastic. I am very excited to be back. I feel like it's been a, been a while since we recorded. You know, I've been a little bit busy on YouTube and stuff, and you know, haven't haven't got to sit down with you in a while. So that's uh, exciting. And I think my schedule has normalized. <laughs> that's exciting, maybe. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to answer that question mark and say, no, that's a statement. I My setup and my schedule is kind of normalized a little bit. I'm done with my travel for work until like October, so that's pretty exciting. Done moved into my house, so all those crazy things that were making life uh, very long and tiring are done for a while. I'm in the new setup. Uh, you can't see a lot behind me except for a very old television, but I'm in my new, uh, new working. It's a nice new setup. <laughs> yeah, it's very exciting new uh, blank wall back there all the interesting stuff is over there naturally and someday i'll give you a tour long story short i'm very happy to be in here and my schedule has normalized so i think we'll be back on an every other week train for the foreseeable future and that's very exciting so cool hey it's gonna be a really long episode because there's lots of fun stuff in it with that let's go ahead and get started with uh with what what your latest videos have been how they've been doing uh, <clears throat> doing good. You know, I feel like I'm making uh, a lot of good uh, progress, building a little bit of community on, on YouTube. I'm up to like, like 500 and done subscribers. Uh, so I'm really proud about that. Like some people might think that's a short accomplishment. Honestly, really, um, really, really happy to have, you know, people who clicked on my stuff and said, yeah, I'll subscribe to him. Uh, some of my recent videos out, got a lot of movie reviews, did a two minute review of Dark Phoenix. I did a review of Aladdin, which I absolutely loved. Uh, more Avatar-related videos. I have a video about lava bending out and completely explaining it, that it's not just firebender genes that can help you lava bend, but it's an earthbender technique. And it thoroughly explains it. And also, I theorize of who could be a future lava bender. And then I also have a video comparing Iroh, General Iroh the Fire Nation, to King Harrow of the Dragon Prince, and how they are very similar characters that can really teach people life lessons. So definitely check all of those out. A couple of things there. First of all, I love the, the Harrow Iroh uh, comparison, and I'm so excited for another season of the Dragon Prince. And number two, in today's, in the world of YouTube where there's I forget, I saw a statistic, it was just the statistic was the number of people with YouTube channels that produce content, you know, like more than once a month. It's insane. So the fact that 500 or however <laughs> many people would, would, you know, get to yours and actually take the time to subscribe 
they have every right to be extremely proud of that because there's too much stuff out there and, and people are still finding yours. So that's very exciting. And number three, the, uh, the Aladdin, uh, the Aladdin dark Phoenix. It's funny that I haven't seen the Aladdin movie yet. I think Will Smith as Aladdin is weirdly way more polarizing than I thought he would be. Uh, sorry, sorry, my bad. Yeah, genie. Oh, he <laughs> well, can yeah. be Aladdin. Too. Will Smith as Aladdin would be very polarizing. He well, that'd be, yeah, that'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? No, uh, no, it's been weirdly polarizing. I hear you said. I think your quote was, "I'll take it out of your mouth if I can." Is uh, I don't think anybody could have filled the role better than than Will Smith or something to that effect. And then I see these other yeah. people that are like, I, I want to say people that were uncomfortable with it, and I was like, well, he's it's not Robin Williams. Of course it's going to be different. Like it's, what do you expect? Robin Williams and Will Smith are both very unique actors. There's not a graceful transition there. You just had to find somebody (laughs) to give his own spin on it and do well. I haven't seen it. I have no opinion. I usually align with your opinion. Um, I'm sure I would in this case as well. People who are the dictatorship. We must all have the same opinion. Wait, what? on this podcast i was just really surprised i just assumed that people would like will smith and not feel maybe super strongly one way or the other like oh will smith is his genie that's nice and no it was the opposite everybody's like i love him or like this is weird calm down it's a movie that's what it is and i didn't watch your dark phoenix video and i probably won't because i haven't liked any of the reviews or anything i've read about that movie so i'll just i'll like your video and then i won't watch it <laughs> The thing is, it's like I left the movie and I was like, man, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time talking about this movie, so I'm gonna purposely experiment and do a two-minute review <laughs> of it. That way, I don't have to do that much editing. I can just, and I still did some editing, but uh, I can just I, easily get it out and and people can watch. What a nice time to experiment, though, than with a movie yeah. <laughs> that looks like it's heading uh, straight, straight towards the bottom of many clearance bins. And I, I'm so disappointed because, as you know, I'm not real big in the Marvel. X-Men's kind of the one place in Marvel where I feel like I have a home frequently. And I have not liked either of the past two movies. So it's a little frustrating, but such is life. Uh, anyway, yeah, go check out Chris's videos. That's The Objective Geek on YouTube. Quickly growing. Lots of various content on there. And just thinking about it just gets me all excited for the next, uh, the next season of Dragon Prince. So you can get back into some reviews of that. It's very exciting. And uh, next up, electronic. Yeah, oh, and also. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, with that with that uh, video, so I shared it, uh, Iro and Harrow, and uh, and I tagged Giancarlo Volpe, who is who was a, um, a director on Avatar, and he is an executive <laughs> producer on The Dragon Prince, and also shared it with Aaron Ehas, who's a head writer on Avatar and creator of The Dragon Prince. He didn't say anything back to me. But Giancarlo Volpe did actually see the video, and he said, like, oh, man, it was really good stuff here, really insightful. Thanks for sharing. So he didn't have to say that. You know? So he actually watched my video, and I'm really proud of that video. So go and oh. be like an executive producer of Avatar and or uh, The Dragon Prince and uh, watch the video. Chris, that's your second famous friend of your channel. That's pretty exciting. I know. That's your, right. that's your number two famous friend. And, hey, uh, we have some friends of the podcast now, too. That's very exciting. In the past oh. few weeks, yep. we've had two real-life humans reach out to us and tell us they like our podcast, which, <laughs> based on the tens of viewers, I will go out on a limb and say that surprises me, uh, but some very nice people out there. And 
just a reminder of like, hey, we're doing it for fun, but maybe somebody out there actually clicks on it, enjoys it, and that's pretty cool. So thanks, people who actually listen. Yes. Very much appreciated. And thank you for the compliments. Uh, very, so, uh, yeah, very much appreciated. You guys didn't have to do that. And I really means a lot. So thank you. Absolutely. I tweet at my friends a lot and they don't even favorite it sometimes. Like, come on, just hit the little heart for me. Let me know you read it. So somebody else to go out of their way to do that. That's That makes me feel pretty good. I appreciate it. Sorry, my Windows Defender summary just popped up over there. Speaking of obtrusive noises, I have a horrible sinus infection. So at some point, I'm going to sneeze directly into this microphone. And I'm really sorry. I'll try not to. I I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about E3. Uh, it, but it was a really good E3, uh, especially for Nintendos. And you and I are both, I, I wouldn't say Nintendo fanboys, but Nintendo fans in general. And yeah, it was... Yeah. The only reason I even bring it up is because it's the first time in E3 history it feels like that it was even worth bringing up. Usually there's mostly dull or apathy or whatever, but Nintendo might be taking over the video game universe. It's very exciting. I know I'm excited about Dragon Quest uh, characters being in in Super Smash Brothers. I think it's going to be a little bit of like a Pokemon trainer deal where you pick which hero you want to be. Like they all have the same moveset. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um... And then, uh, as you are probably well aware, we're getting two Legend of Zelda games. Getting Link's Awakening Remake coming up very soon. I, If you've never played the first one, it's really different. But if you put yourself in like a <laughs> early 90s mood, it it's fantastic. It's probably my second favorite Legend of Zelda game. And finally, uh, Breath of the Wild sequel. And I know you're excited about those because you're a Legend of Zelda guy and a fellow Switch owner yeah. like myself. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, Breath of the Wild. I'm really surprised that they did that. Usually, I feel like Legends of the Games don't have direct sequels. Like usually, they'll usually come out with like one game per console, um, or there's like another kind of smaller game which was like dramatically has a different animation. Um, but no, this is a direct sequel. The best theories I've heard so far is they, you know, they put so much time into that world and that engine. Uh, that they kind of wanted to mm. do the Majora's Mask and o- versus Ocarina of Time thing, uh, where they reuse that engine and that sort of world and landscape to build a direct sequel yeah. just because of the amount of time they put into it. Yeah, uh, and yeah that makes sense. <laughs> I'm not staking claim to that theory. That's It's it's pretty common theory on the internet, and it makes sense to me. That's It was a well, huge... I hope it's better than I was better than Majora's Mask, because I really don't care for that game at all. It took me like years several years to beat that game not because of its difficulty but because of my motivation to beat it i have not yet beat it uh anything with timers makes me really anxious so i tend to avoid games with timers except for sports games but that's totally different story so yeah not to harp too much on e3 we're not really news people per se but it was just it was almost too good this year to ignore and that's really exciting for the video game industry or at least for nintendo other people had good conferences as well, except for Bethesda and Ubisoft. Go ahead and punch those into YouTube and entertain yourself. And then finally, as I mentioned earlier, I don't want to harp on this too much either, but I do have a new game room. Hopefully going to get some setup going on back here. I'd love to take a tour someday. And then Chris, I don't think you have ever just given us the walkthrough of your setup either. And so I thought maybe for a segment sometime on a slower week, uh, we'll just walk our camera through the room and, and show off our wares. I thought that might be kind of fun for a few minutes. A little bragging. Yeah, my basement will have to be clean. Right now, it's a, it's a pretty mess. Like, I still got stuff all over the floor <laughs> down here. Terrible. 
I have stuff all over there's the like, floor in here. Like, there's like my daughter's toys right here. There's like a bunch of like free weights. There's a rock band drum, a stack of comic books I haven't read on my dress on my on my table. It's yeah, it's looking terrible. That just, here, that just sounds great. like a game room. That sounds like what that's supposed to be. It sounds like a nerd cave, and that's what yeah. that's supposed to be. I uh, <laughs> my my floor is actually the cleanest part because it's brand new flooring. But yeah, there's just junk and stuff laying everywhere. So sometime we'll give a tour. I think that'd be fun. Neither one of us are huge collectors in terms of uh, collection size, but there's stuff worth looking at. All right, that's enough. Uh, I feel like I have a pretty huge collection. I'm always amazed. I think but, I have a big collection, and then I'll watch videos on YouTube and just I feel like I get put in my place a little bit. Like, you have nothing, Jon Snow. And then I'll just <laughs> stop feeling good about myself for a while. <laughs> I just bought a Batwoman statue, and I also have a Batman statue right there that I don't know where to put it at because I'm just, like, out of room. But... Speaking of Batman, oh, I can't believe this didn't make the news. I really liked the Batman versus TMNT uh, crossover video. Oh, thanks for letting yeah. me watch that. That was <laughs> it was not amazing, but it was really cool. Like four out of five, nine out of ten, eight and a half out of ten territory in my book. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah, which is yeah for me. Like so, you know, I, I try to review movies as objectively as possible, taking out my own bias and preference. Yeah, I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I love Batman, and so like. My actual objective score doesn't necessarily reflect my love of the movie because I gave it like right. a 7.6 out of 10. Um, but like on my favorite part, like, oh, I would watch this movie freaking three times a week. <laughs> like, I can see I that. love the interaction between these characters. Like if you force me to score, it's like, all right, maybe it's a maybe it's a B caliber movie, but I'm still going to watch it frequently. And that's fine because I love yeah. both those characters. And it's one of the few comic books that I've actually read whatsoever. I don't read a ton of comics. I don't read a ton at all. I do listen to a lot of audiobooks. But yeah, that was really good. And I think that's, I don't know, I don't have much else to say other than it was very exciting to see basically my two favorite animated sets of characters come together in a, in a video. It was very exciting. Yeah. But hey, that's enough of all this nonsense. We've got a debate to get to. We've got, I, mm-hmm. we should have discussed how to format this. So I'm going to let you lead the way. But let's get to debating. We've got, we've got a fight to pick. As do two of our favorite characters <laughs> from Avatar: The Last Airbender. I'm gonna let you lead this discussion. Yes. Yeah, so first of all, we need to establish some ground rules here. Hit me up. Hey, uh, hey, hey, <laughs> did you practice that one? Did you play? Uh, sort of. Okay. I mean, yeah. Great. <laughs> I appreciate that your jokes are really down to earth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So the first time I laughed, I was laughing at the joke. The second time I was laughing, I was laughing at that joke. That I was genuinely was. laughing at it. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No more bad jokes, I swear. Uh, man. Yeah, we're off to a rocky start in this debate. <laughs> oh, no. Chris, you just scared away our last viewer. There they I'm go. I'm sorry. Okay. There they go. Bye, super fans. <laughs> super fan. Sorry. Uh, all right. So. The the general there's it's a simple fight really it's just a verse fight who's gonna win Toph versus Boomy but there's a little bit of um, a little bit of disclaimers here metal bending would not be allowed here it's just pure who can beat each other in an earth bending fight just imagine them at just like maybe the Royal Rumble arena that we're gonna talk about later um, but they they don't have the knockout rules it's just they have earth all around them to use. I think that's perfect. Uh, and are we okay with strictly TV show as a sort of canon material and knowledge? 
Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's the only, I think that's enough. I don't think anything outside of that would really change the way I would perceive this fight at all. Um, so I think the TV show yeah, should be sufficient. Okay. I have a, I have a thought on that, but I will get to it when we get into the debate, but. Okay, um, cool. All right, man. So first of all, who I, I believe winner of this fight would be Boomy. Do you want to lead For off? Sure. I would definitely take Toph. I would take Toph without hesitation. Without hesitation. Um, well, would you without... Would you care to lead the debate, so, or would you care it... to me to go first? Uh, yeah, you, you go ahead. Okay. Uh, so there's probably two primary points to get at with Toph. And the first is based on what we know in the TV show. When they show Toph earthbending, they show her with this sort of supersonic sense of feel. And so mm. uh, on one hand, mm. it's... It's really I knew easy. This was coming. It it really it's <laughs> Hey. Alright. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. I feel like I should have laughed at that hard. That was a good joke. <laughs> I so we like to picture Toph as this very offensive, aggressive person. But that uh I, I believe what that ability does for her defensive abilities, like when she's fighting against other types of benders, I believe there's enough evidence to show that she's able to sort of sense their movements in order to combat other types of bending. So it's not like she can only use her powers against other earthbenders. Like she's so sensitive to it in a defensive way uh, that I think that would be really hard to overcome, especially for another earthbender. And then number two is I think within the TV show and the point that I alluded to within the TV show, we have way more proof of her abilities in combat, whether it's in one-on-one scenarios, like we're about to see in this episode or combat with uh, with Aang and the gang out in the real world. I think there's just a way better base uh, knowledge base of her abilities in combat and out there in the real world, whereas a lot of boomies are kind of implied. So it's not necessarily a great argument for who would win as much as I think there's way more evidence to having to Toph as a, as a combative earthbender and being the better of the two. So the second part I'm not quite as sold on other than from a material standpoint what I have to work with. And that's my; those are my two biggest points with Toph. Uh, so sort okay. of a superhuman ability <clears throat> and then just amount of material. So when it comes to material, I think Boomy has some... I do think with the show, Toph maybe has... Actually, I think they're pretty close. <coughs> so when it comes to Toph, I think some of her biggest like, earthbeaming accomplishments is that she held up the spirit library as it fell down. Oh, yeah. Um, and sick. if you look at like... If, gosh, I'm giving you... Yeah. Good, no, it's, good a, material it's, a, it's here just a good discussion. <laughs> just a good discussion. Yeah, it's a good, yeah. Uh, but if you look at, like, to scale Toph's size compared to the whole entire Spirit Library, um, like, it, she is, she makes up, like, one thousandth of, <laughs> of, of that whole place. She's a pebble. Um, but, but, you know, that library is being held up by sand. Like, it's, like, if it was just Toph holding that up by her sheer own strength like she couldn't do that like she's not that strong like the sand is also you know slowing down the fall of this spirit library uh, some of Bumi's greatest feats is like he did take out Omashu or he did take back Omashu completely by himself like he is like earthbending huge freaking hills and in factories from like very long distances and like that's all a great by episode too a little foreshadowing into the future that's a great episode <laughs> yeah yeah um and also he took out plenty of firebenders during the day of black sun though 
they all got amplified their power by 10. He has nothing. That's just his base power. Um, <clears throat> and one of the biggest things I think is going to help him defeat Toph. So I think strength-wise, they're fairly equal. Um, and I think Boomy is also, he's a mad genius, right? He, he's, he can think in very unsporadic ways. Like He might use Toph's own sensing ability against him. Also, it's been theorized that he knows seismic sense. I'm gonna shout out another YouTuber here, Avatar Critic. He actually has a video about if Boomy has seismic sense, and and Boomy sometimes does attack people without actually, like in that scene where he takes back Omashu, he does attack people without actually looking at them, but he attacks them. He's very direct with it. Um, so maybe he has a little bit of seismic sense there also. Also, he practices all the gins of like. Neutrogen being able to wait and, and attack at the right moment, um, but so here's the 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 main point that I think will help him defeat Toph. So Toph, of course, can sort of predict your net's movement in, in that minor second that she can just sense your foot moving in just the slightest edge. Umi has this advantage that I think is really understated. Not many people know this. That this is one ability that. Only him and Amon actually share. And that is the ability to bend through telekinesis. So to bend without actually doing arm movements or leg movements. Like they can just bend with their mind. So Toph can't see that coming. So I think Boomy can take advantage of that and beat her that way. I'd say my argument, I do I do appreciate the knowledge about having seismic sense. I hadn't realized. It never really occurred to me that he probably had some semblance of that. And then another yeah, thing. Yeah, it's probably not on the same level at all of, of Toffs because that's, she, she was, has that. She was ability. born in the darkness, Chris. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Boomy merely adopted it. Oh, you think seismic sense is your ally? You think eyesight is your ally? <laughs> Um, but you merely adopted the duck. I was born in it. <laughs> how appropriate. How, how yeah. appropriate. Um, I do. I hate to toss a bone in your direction, but you gave some points for Toph. One thing that I will say for Boomy, <laughs> it, it's so it's a little bit easy to sort of discount uh, because of just age. Like I, uh, you know, Toph clearly has some special talents, and we're in the middle of debating sort of who is more talented, and it'd be easy enough to write Boomy off as as old. So it just doesn't have as uh, there, if you go into Korra, we can see how quickly some bending styles are progressing and things like that, where you feel like it gives a modern young person some edge. Uh, but what I'm getting at is it's weird to remember that age in the Avatar The Last Airbender universe is not the same as age here. Like, mm -hmm. Boomy's yeah. uh, well over 100 years old, but it it doesn't affect him there like age affects us here. Uh, and just, uh, we've got some very old Avatars, some very young Avatars dying as well, but it just... It, I, it was Quirk. hard exactly <laughs> loser it's really hard for me <laughs> to bring it up when i'm thinking about Toph being young and maybe that's a detriment but it's not and uh, no more than boomy being old is a detriment i do want to know i would like to know if uh, how public boomy's abilities are like it was a surprise to ang when ang picked boomy to yeah. bend against but do what's the rest of the kingdom? Does the rest of the kingdom know that he's a powerful bender? Is that how he got to be a leader? Like, how did he get to be a leader? We, we <laughs> don't know, get... I'll, I'll... Go ahead. I was just wondering that same thing, because, like, 
<laughs> like being a king and and Omashu, something you're just kind of like chosen to. Like, and Boomy looked pretty poor in in that flashback with Aang. He did. It was like a, he's wearing was a some really raggedy clothes. Appeal, yeah, yeah. And so you, know, you see him when he's older, and he's like before Aang realizes who he is. Like he's dressed in like very lavish, you know, gar- garments and everything. <laughs> like somewhat like Leverace style. Yes. <laughs> It's a little crazy. It's a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so maybe, so maybe he, and maybe you're getting to this point. Maybe he like is so talented that he fought his way up. People admired him so much that they made him king. I something akin to that that his talents got him to be a king, and all that really boils down to is us thinking, all right, well, they both do have a chip on their shoulder. I think we can imply that Boomy was poor and and had a chip on his shoulder i don't know how he got to power but i think we can imply that he was a poor citizen from what little appearance we have uh as a young person and toff obviously has a chip on her shoulder because she's like three feet tall and a blind girl so uh, she's rich so it's a different kind of chip and so all these points coming into play where it's like there's a lot of things that really level out in my mind it's like all right do you take young unique talent versus a literally century of experience um very unique abilities I just, but I, every time when I come back to the argument of who would win, I think even given what you said about Boomy being able to bend telekinetically, uh, it's almost in my mind is like Toph is still too quick. Like she still feels it coming. I don't know how Toph would attack Boomy necessarily or how aggressive she'd be able to be, but it's hard to imagine her being struck by any type of earthbending attack that she wouldn't be able to redirect no matter how big or how fast, like, She's so in tune with her environment that even as aggressive as we know her as a character, that it would be really hard to to land a shot through her defense, uh, ironically enough. I just can't see I can't see how it happened. I didn't really consider the telekinetic, and that would probably help. But I still think, she, unless he was right next to her or, or spawned it you know, uh, directly underneath her somehow or something, I'm not sure. It seems like she could just guard against everything that maybe normal earthbenders wouldn't have the same sensitivity to i guess the same oh, the same we're, reaction we already said the ground rules that we're going to stick to the show i was about to bring uh, up you a, know what? a fight I, we've she had, had a, with... we've had a long enough discussion if you got to break some camera ah, okay. here just teach me well, some, teach so me she, something okay so in a comic book imbalance which is a fine enough comic book i don't really care for it all that much um <laughs> <laughs> but um in comic book imbalance part two so there is an antagonist her name is Ye ling and she's like this really talented earthbender her and Toph fight one on one, and it's fairly close to a stalemate, um, which is like surprising. I feel like Toph should be able to like beat anybody, and so seeing that fight makes me think that Toph isn't as invincible as we all hype her up to be. I certainly um, do that. Like, yeah. <laughs> not ashamed. Think... Not ashamed of it. <laughs> yeah, like sometimes people are like, "Oh, if Toph would have fall up, uh, Fire Lord." Um, Fire Lord Ozai, the fight would have been over way too quickly. I'm like that one thing story wise, that doesn't make any any sense because um, like Aang is like Fire Lord Ozai is the big bad. Like Aang has to be the one to defeat the big bad. Uh, <laughs> if Toph could just do it, like that would be just it would just that's be ludicrous. Just, man, that's just people being <laughs> crazy. I will. I wonder yeah, if uh, I still think that Toph's weaknesses would actually show up more against other types of bendings, like. I, I, yeah, she's proven yes. that she can combat that and that's part of my point but I yeah. still think that it would show up more there like I she's I don't know Definitely. she's got a much better chance against other earthbenders I think I think, I think against yeah like I completely <laughs> agree with you I think against water 
like if Katara gets on top of water and just like flows around it, like that makes it that much harder for her. Against Aang, like we see, Ashley just listened to the commentary watching this episode about the review, and uh, they were saying like, "Oh yeah, Toph never has never fought you know besides an Earthbender." So when she fights Aang, like she has no idea where he's landing at or anything like that. A Firebender, once they burn her feet, <laughs> like she can't see at all. Yeah, and so. I mean like so we get to a point in the series where she's combating against those things as well, but it's an adjustment. It's not a, an innate thing. Uh, yeah, I would like to introduce one point that I didn't actually see. Can we imply that maybe we can't, maybe it's too far. Uh, whatever, it's a discussion. So uh, Boomy refers Aang to, uh, to Toph as his teacher, which we're going to get into. It's kind of a too early segue. But Boomy is essentially saying you have to find a teacher that uh, will show you how to wait and see before you attack to find an earthbending mm-hmm. teacher. Um, so can we imply that whether Toph is actively practicing those or not, uh, that maybe she has the same uh, understanding of that particular djinn. I don't remember yeah, what number yeah. out of how many uh, yeah, djinn there are. There was 87? 80, 70 something? Actually, there's 87. Yeah, I don't remember. It's something yeah. in the 80s, I think. Yeah, there's a 7 in the number, I think. Yeah. Uh, um, we'll have to fact later. Some investigative yeah. journalism there. Yeah, well, um, long story <laughs> short, like, Boomy is straight uh, up referring him. He doesn't specify better by any means and i wouldn't try to go that far but he is referring her specifically to someone who can teach him to wait and see and it's not because of her teaching abilities because she's not a teacher (laughs) i think i think it's because of her ability to wait and see before attacking yeah i think she definitely is a master of neutrogen um which um which um boomy is probably also a master of but i would imagine so yes toff does it even better like Aang sees that in the episode when she, like, she is literally listening to everything, using all of her senses. And then once she knows when to strike, that's when she does. I, uh, I'm now, I'm just looking forward to that episode where, where Boomy takes back Omashu. That's, that's a tremendous yeah. one. It's really high up on my list. But, uh, well, hey, in, in closing remarks, I would still stand by what I, you know, uh, by my original judgment. Um, it's so hard without, uh, without, I guess, additional material. Like, we can't see this fight in this comic right here. If we could just see that wrapped up, just just to learn a little more. Uh, but it's probably yeah. it's probably more fun left to the imagination, I suppose. Uh, but it's probably fair to say that they are the two most powerful Earthbenders that we meet in this series, and I don't think that part's debatable at all. Like, we don't see more powerful oh, yeah, Earthbenders absolutely. than these two. <coughs> and uh, it's a fight I would pay to watch in a ring, absolutely. Sorry, now I'm just looking at the at the comment. No, go ahead. Uh, which one is that? Is I mean, that... <clears throat> it is uh, the last Airbender, the Lost Adventures. Excellent. Oh wait, wrong way. And it, uh, so they... has a bunch of little mini stories in here. So they basically start to get into a fight, but then it's interrupted before it goes anywhere. Is that my? Yeah, pre- yeah, pretty much. So Suki is talking with Boomy, and uh, she says, "I still can't believe you retook Omashu from the Fire Nation all by yourself." You really must be the greatest earthbender of all time. And Boomy responds, that's right. And Toph is walking by. She says, I'm sorry. I couldn't help but overhear you talking. Did you say this old guy is the best earthbender ever? Actually, I think she's said of all time. (laughs) 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 There's a little literal snort. And then they pretty much like, hey, we got to (laughs) fight. So they're trash talk. (laughs) 
Their trash talk is the uh, let's see. Toph says, "No offense, Pops, but just because you're as old as dirt doesn't mean you know how to bend it." And then, and the boom he responds, "Little girl, I have toenails that can earth bend better than you." So, uh, I so, so it's a very cool fight. And Sokka is hyping it up also. He's 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 uh he's the promoter in the background. Uh, that's the clip oh, that I have. Uh, that's the clip that I have pulled up here, and I really liked that that page i read just a page or two of images online yeah and i did think it's like trash talk seems perfect for toff pride does not seem out of place for booby but trash talking in return seems out of place for booby like i would picture him more just getting to a direct challenge like she says that about (laughs) him and he's like all right name the challenge your place like i could see him going direct to action trash talk out of a 110 year old man seems strange (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Who am I to judge? Trash talk all you want, Boomy. Uh, I, I I don't have any more remarks. I don't have any more evidence or material. I feel like it'd be a heck of a no, fight. I think, what do you what What do you got to wrap up? Yeah. Um. I think before I was really thinking about this, um, I, it would just kind of been a tie. I think I would have slightly gave the edge to uh, to Boomy because I just think he. I think earth baiting just comes down to strength. I think Boomy just has more strength than Toph does. Toph has great technique, but since we kind of omitted um, the metal bending here, I think Boomy, before I was thinking barely that Boomy would get the edge because of his strength. But then more I was thinking about it, it's like, oh yeah, he can he can earth bend with telekinesis. Like he doesn't have to move. And I think that would give him even more of a slider edge. And so I am heavily in the Boomy camp here. That's fair. I I wouldn't change my answer, but I did learn. Yeah, I, I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't, uh, I didn't re- recall at all that just the idea that Boomy even had the telekinetic bending abilities uh that didn't really occur to me it's funny that you mentioned the brute strength like especially going into this episode about uh earth bending coming down to brute strength and as a tiebreaker i could see it but it's funny to hear you say that going into this episode in particular (laughs) like it's all about brute strength and we're about to meet this little girl um but no when it comes to a tiebreaker in this case like all right that that would be a decent point to settle on but uh hey they're two of my favorite characters in the series so i'm not about to trash either one too hard and that's why, if I may segue, if you're prepared, that's why this is one of my favorite episodes in the series. Because we finally get to meet Toph. It's so, it takes so long. We get to see Zuko be the blue spirit before we get to meet my favorite character in the series. Second favorite character, sorry. Um, hey, one more point to throw in, and that's that uh, our, our fan and friend, Jamie, uh, she took my side with Toph. Um, almost... Dang it. Almost specifically based on how well, how highly she valued the this. What, I forget what you call it. The super sensory abilities. Um, I just keep thinking seismic of it sense. as like sonar, seismic sensor, or seismic yes. sensing. Um, so, uh, seismic sense. Yeah, it's it's a lot like sonar. She made she made a lot of great points, but it kept like she was able to sort of articulate her feelings on that far <laughs> better than I was, and how that's useful. Uh, in its sort of extreme sense so it's really nice thanks jamie for taking my side uh whether we won or lost whatever that's fine but <laughs> she had some great points and if she were here to defend me we would just just talk over you until you went away <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> yeah might happen anyway yeah, it might happen um anyway so we we just got done with the avatar day and uh the fire nation attacked i forget the name of that island where the horrible chin the conqueror used to live and so we just got away from all that mess, and Aang has been forgiven, and now they, uh, now they're looking for an earthbending teacher. And Boomy said, "You got to go find somebody who will teach you how to wait and listen 
or wait and see before attacking. And so they end up in basically like a WWE stadium to watch this <laughs> earthbending fighting. And just straight out of the gate, I know I'm going to love this episode. Um, like I said, they basically walk into a giant arena where it's one-on-one earthbending. And I I don't know what else to say. It's exactly what you'd picture. It's, a, it's an arena with bleachers and a giant stone pillar in the middle where guys fight. Yeah. As a person who was a big, huge fan of 90s wrestling, it brought back so many great memories. <laughs> like, because, you know, you had those characters who... Uh, who are like the Rey Mysterio type character. It's funny, in, in the commentary, they do mention like this character with a mask. It's like, oh yeah, that's the Rey Mysterio type character. Like, he's really kind of shifty and, and, and stuff. And then you have like, clear the 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 uh, the villain. <laughs> like, you have the, the Fire Nation guy. guy. The heel. Yeah. Who, who for some reason has a Russian accent. Because <laughs> <laughs> all Russians are bad guys, Chris. We know that by this point in cinema history. Oh my gosh. I'm not lying, Sean. That's exactly what they said on the commentary. No, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm assuming they said it like I say it in in jest, uh, and not as like a serious red yes, scare yes, thing. Yeah. No, 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 they're funny. they're racist, Bright guys. No, we gotta stop racist. watching they're... this show now. Yeah, just kidding, just kidding. All jokes. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's very much all jokes. Um, and uh, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. And then, uh, of course, uh, Nasaka is just freaking eating all this stuff up. Like, oh. So before we even get to that, like I got to mention the uh, when they're trying to go look for a master, and Aang does find uh, Master uh, Zenfu, and, and he's like terrible. Kind of, I mean, he's not terrible. He actually is a good earthbender, but he's not like a good teacher. He's more like those cheap teachers. It's like, oh, pay me, you can get a you can get upgraded to a black belt, like pyramid scheme teacher. class teacher kind of thing. Oh yes, yeah, yeah definitely beautiful. Um, and then uh one of my favorite moments of 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 avatar it's not really like a grand great moment is uh they find these two earth being boys and they talk about earth rumble and uh and like they, they won't tell them anything because they're jerks and then katara's like i got it and then katara like water bends them into into uh, submission into telling them where everything is at um and we'll get back to them later actually it's not Anyway, I'll go ahead and say my favorite moment. They go back to them. <laughs> I'm hard talking about it, and um, and then and then uh, they make them tell them where Toph is at. We're jumping around all over here, but whatever. <laughs> and then just like <laughs> when, when they leave Toph, them, fine. yeah. And when they when they leave them, Katara's like, "I got my eyes on you." And then Sokka walks out, just like Water Tribe, and he just <laughs> walks out of there. <laughs> it's like it's like one of the most like non-gangster gangster things that a character on avatar could do it's like just it's weird al moment is what that is only thing was missing was like a gang sign just like water tribe and just walk out (laughs) the w i like that that's what it is i've never i tried to do it right there and i can't even do it right so i'm not gonna try to throw up gang signs anymore well this was just yeah i I tried to do it like real quick and smooth and my fingers like tripped over each other i couldn't even do it right uh, that's how that's how gangster i am (laughs) Yeah, we're getting we're getting real stereotypically here where the black guy is trying to show the white guy these gang signs. <laughs> I don't know too much. So, I mean I say I don't, but actually I kinda do. But anyway, West Coast is that's not really a gang sign, West Coast. That's just it's a W, just, yeah. Uh I will uh, say that we already got pretty stereotypy yeah. when we said that all Russians Gosh. in movies are villains. And then Chris, yeah. yesterday I played a game of softball where <laughs> the opposing team, a uh, great sense of humor, 
had like a goofy playlist on just with every array of things and it was goofy the whole time so they started playing Gangsta Paradise. Naturally, I thought it was going to be Weird Al's Amish Paradise because everything else they had on was like goofy, funny stuff. And then it wasn't. And I'm not going to lie, like for a minute, I didn't recognize the song. Like I was listening to the words. I was like, what is this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never mind. It took me a solid couple of seconds in the words of John Mulaney uh, to recognize what that song was. And I'm not proud of that. I was like, wait a minute. These aren't the lyrics. <laughs> anyway um i totally glossed over like all that stuff that happened if for no other reason than i'm excited to get to the part where we talk you talked about the other wrestlers and you didn't get to the the most exciting one yeah you can so mick, yeah the so, uh oh, go ahead mick foley is the boulder which uh aka dude love aka cactus jack aka mankind and then also has a very mediocre autobiography if you're interested media it's not as good as the rocks but i was a fan of wrestling in the early probably the early 2000s give or take so like i don't know maybe 99 to like 03 uh rock triple h mankind heyday and so it's very exciting to me yeah that was just it was just a good time in wrestling i think most that was probably the peak of wrestling as we know it today It, it was definitely the peak of wrestling um and truly entertaining and so i think what makes this most exciting for me though is first of all the punny uh, the punny name, the boulder, like it's just a great earthbender name. Second of all, you watched it with commentary, and I think it was you that told me originally. Wasn't it supposed like they wanted the Rock to be involved and to actually yes. call him the Rock, and whether he was unavailable well, or didn't accept? Yeah, well, um, they weren't gonna call him the Rock. They were calling him the Boulder, they were which was the after boulder. the okay. Rock. Yeah, he was he was clearly inspired by the Rock, and they've said that before. But they they wanted to get the Rock to voice him, but he was. If I had to guess, The Rock turned it down because The Rock is pretty... He was a little busy at that time. (laughs) Yeah, even then in 2003, although I think he was probably working on The Mommy 3 or something, which is a crap movie. Walking Tall Um, is mediocre, or what's the other? The Rundown. There was a lot of mediocre action in The Rock's early acting career. That's right. Uh, So instead, they got the second best thing. Like you said, they got Mick Foley. And Mick Foley, I think, Gosh, how different do you think this would sound if it was The Rock? Like I, it would be probably the point way I'm more... getting to is that it might actually be better. This like if The Rock was in it, it would have been great. I'd have loved it. I'd have ate it up. Yeah. But in a weird way, knowing that it's supposed to be The Rock, and then we get the punny name, the Boulder instead of The Rock, and then having sort of Mick Foley's maybe goofier charisma to it. Uh, yeah. In, in a weird way, that might be better. And like I said, knowing the whole story makes it better in my mind. So I'd love to know why The Rock turned it down just out of curiosity. <laughs> Um, just to add to the story, but I, it's so exciting just to just to hear Mick Foley's voice, and it takes it takes a few minutes. You're listening, you're like, "Why does that sound familiar? Why does it fit so well here?" Oh, that's why. And it's so exciting. The first time he told me that, I was so jacked up, and he does a great job too. So that's my my fanboy moment is over. You can skip his autobiography; it's really not that good. But he's a very interesting human. Uh, do you want to do you want to describe the fight? Break the fight down. It's uh yeah so this fight is uh the boulder versus Toph, and and this is when we first see Toph, and when she comes out like <laughs> Sokka is like cheering on the boulder to like destroy Toph, and, and guitar thinks it's yeah and guitar thinks it's just like for the show that she's blind and and when she bends i absolutely love it like she's in the praying mantis the southern praying mantis because there's actually a northern praying mantis and southern praying mantis and they're actually completely different 
Um, <laughs> but she's in the Southern Prey Mantis style, and she just like shifts her foot just slightly, just the to like stomp yeah. the ground. And, yeah, and and she kind of sense when when the boulder's movements are going to come, and like when he earth bends, she sees it, and then she completely before he even realizes it, like she makes him split his legs, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> and then she just and I love when I talk when Toph attacks. Sometimes she does this hand motion that's just like three fingers out for some reason. Just visually, it's just really pleasing to me. It's just like. Pfft. And like, and three like big spikes come up and and hit them out of the ring. I thought um, about it a little bit about some of those movements that you're mentioning and why they're they're sort of aesthetically pleasing. And I think it's the amount of detail. Like, there's a lot of animation mm-hmm. in this series that's that's very good, um, but it's still not like, I don't know. There's still not such careful detail as there is up to this point in the series as there is in her movements. We get some yes great- and. We get some great stuff in other places, but I think hers is in the most sort of uh, deliberate detail. Maybe that's what I'm looking for. Yes, and, and we know that Sifu Kisu, who is the martial arts um, consultant on the show, pretty much laid out like the bending principles for everyone. Like, all right, earth bendings will use um, Southern Hard um, Tiger Crane style, which is a Hungar style, and how firebenders will use Northern Shaolin style. Um, but so when they came to him, it was like, all right, we have this new earthbender and she's blind and we don't really know, you know, how you think she's a fight. And he was like, oh, let me get my friend. And his friend's name I might, is uh, Sifu Manuel Rodriguez, I think. And in that uh, Avatar special, um, like he is, he looks very unassuming. Like he's kind of like a little chubby, has he like is. long yes, hair. He and He looks like and the like worst version of Steven Seagal. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, but then, like, when you see him fight, and he does like the pretty much style, like he's so quick with it. <laughs> and uh, and also something to learn from the commentary is um, is he was talking to Mike and Brian about the the lore or the legends of the Southern Prematch style. How coincidentally enough, um, and the legend and 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 their background of it is that one of the first um, inventors of the sun, Southern Prey style was a blind woman. So they're like, oh, that's wow, a nice this illusion. Is, <laughs> yeah, this is this is really fitting. Like we have our blind character Toph, you know, and and her fighting style, you know, it derives from a blind woman. So it's really cool. And also they train, like, they train in the blind. And so that's why it's all about like feeling and touching and and how and how to get within your opponent's space. Um, it's just all really, really interesting. Uh, I mean, earthbending is very tactile, so that makes a lot of sense. And that is a very cool fun fact and very appropriate. But they didn't know that when they developed Toph? No, or, they didn't. That's, they, they, that's so crazy. they, yeah, Toph was already blind. And then they went to see Fukisu, and then he went to his friend. And they were like, yeah, this style would be good for her. Um, so yeah, it's really cool. Turns also right. about Toph, <laughs> yeah. Um, also, fun fact about Toph is that she was originally supposed to be a boy, um, but then uh, Aaron Ehas, like in the writers' room, Aaron Ehas, the head writer of Avatar and also the creator of the Dragon Prince or co-creator, really fought hard for her to be a girl. And actually, Brian Kniska was a little bit against it, like 
And then now he's like, man, I'm really glad that I lost that fight because Toph is an amazing character. Like the name was Toph at, to begin with, um, but then they just changed her to a girl. That's awesome. I think uh, it's yeah. hard to imagine what it'd be like with a boy, but I think it'd be far less charming, maybe. Yeah. Like we have this young woman who defies <laughs> so many conventions in so many ways. I think it's just more interesting exactly. that she's a girl. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. Uh, well, I won't pretend that I remember the details of the other fight, uh, but let's, I, I will suffice it to say that it's not challenging for Toph at all, uh, to like an air of Sokka's great disappointment that it's not a challenge for Toph at all, really. Um, and like I said, I can't necessarily break down the details the way you did. I just, there's, there's sort of an overwhelming feel of this, this, she's going to go unmatched. Absolutely, and they do a nice job of portraying that how how above and beyond talented she is. And I don't, I think after that, yeah. So, oh, uh, so after ahead. that, um, they someone can challenge Toph to a fight, and so Aang does it because Aang is like, oh yeah, I want to talk to her, and then they fight, and then like she can't land like a real hit on Aang because he's just like going with it, like he just like the he just kind of bounces off of it and it floats somewhere else. She calls him Twinkle Toes for the first time. No, no, he does. She doesn't call him Twinkle Toes yet, or does she? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I think she does. Um, okay. Gosh, I can't remember. I feel and like then, she does though. Yeah. Yeah, and then Aang blocks her, and he air bends at her, and throws her out the ring, and she's really pissed off about it. So once she lost her belt, like this is her like secret life, you know. Like of course she's mad about it. Someone took that away from her. That's the only place she can feel like herself. Um, so then Aang and the crew try and track her down. And they go and find the boys again. They tell them about the Beifong family, how they're the richest family, but they don't have a daughter. And they're signing as the flying boar, and that's what Aang saw in, in his vision in the swamp. I kind of forgot about that. That's a nice illusion. And, yeah, so uh, what it amounts to is they become determined to, we got to find uh, we gotta find this person. This person needs to teach Aang to earthbend. Very literally waits and sees. And that's where the two boys come back into play, right? The two the two kids yeah. that, that uh, Katara froze earlier to show um, to show. Did they use the sigil? They used the sigil to locate the family. Is that right? Yep. The blind yep. boy. Yeah. And so, uh, long story short, they end up at dinner uh, with the Beifong family. Um, I kind of forget how it goes down. They just go up and like knock on the door, and they're looking for pretty much, and they're looking for somebody. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, he's got. Well, Aang is the Avatar, so like he's an invited guest wherever he goes, <laughs> and he used that a lot of times, I think. Um, so like they're like, "Oh, you have a guest, the Avatar." Like, "Oh, well, welcome the Avatar in," and then they have dinner with with the Avatar, yeah. and he's and he's like, "Yeah, I'm looking for a teacher," and he's kind of making all of these like comments that hints that Toph is really great Earthbender, That's even though she's trying right. to hide it. Yeah, um, because her parents are really protective of her so they sheltered her they kept her in the house and she's always guarded because they think she's weak because she's blind that can't be farther from the truth um eventually uh tough finally like talks with ang <laughs> alone and uh and she kind of gives him like a little backstory just a, just a slight backstory on how she can earth bend how she can like see everything she can see the ants like yards away like just how amazing she is, and then like Aang, you know, ask her to be her teacher, but she can't because her parents won't let her. 
I do. I can recall more and more of the awkward dinner scene now. I don't know why it wasn't coming back yeah. to me. But uh, yeah, so Aang's trying to talk her into it. And then the bad guys, uh, led by the bad, the Russian heel from the wrestling, uh, from the wrestling event. I can't think of it. Uh, what was it called? Just the Earthbending Rumble. I think, I think Earth Rumble. Earth Rumble, that's right. And so they yeah. come and they... They kidnapped Toph, which I do find a little disappointing. I feel like she should not be kidnappable, but maybe that's the creator's way of letting I... us know that she's not invincible. Yeah, maybe. Because, like, well, she should have saw them coming. <laughs> like, I, I a group of really so big sits men she can see, like, within, I don't know, a football field, probably. <laughs> I It's a little disappointing that it happened that way, but uh, whatever. Like I said, maybe it was the creator's way of letting like maybe reminding us that she's young or overconfident or something. I don't know. It had to happen for story. Yeah. Hashtag story reasons. And so they yeah. kidnap her. It's actually a little, I mean, relative to some of the episode stories complex is that, uh, the Beifong parents actually accuse Aang of doing it, um, of kidnapping her. And that to me was always kind of interesting <laughs> that I don't know. It's, it's maybe a little more depth than I would expect out of a kid's TV show. <laughs> um, and so then obviously Aang has to, uh, he has to rescue her, get her back, and I forget exactly how it goes down. But the Bayfongs well, well, offer money to they, they, what's his they, name? Uh, I can't think of his name. The Russian guy. <laughs> they kidnap Ang. They, they kidnap Ang and and uh, Antoff. That's right. And uh, yeah, and they give the Russian guy money to go rescue Toff from Ang, quote unquote. They give they give the the instructor money to go give the kidnappers uh, so they can get Toph back, but they don't care about Aang. That's right. So then when they get there, they let Toph go because they give him the money, and then Katara and Sokka's like, Toph, you're the only person that can save him. So then, so then her dad has this like stupid long speech where it's like, my daughter is blind. She can't do anything. She is weak and fragile and blind. And she's like, no, I can't help. So then that's when she gets in the ring. She has to fight, like, all of these men, every single one of them. And she does it by herself. And and she's such a freaking BA. Like, she, she one thing, she pulls the dust <laughs> in. Like, she earthbends to the point where, like, all the dust comes up. So now everyone is blind. And it's such a great, like, story telling uh oh tool that now her opponents have to live with what she's been living with her whole life but they're not built for that cue the batman speech right now yeah um so she takes them all out go ahead i was gonna say the part of this that i think i forgot um that was bugging me was that i I had to go to wikipedia really quick something was missing (laughs) that was bugging me so jinfu kidnaps them because he thought they were in cahoots like oh, that yeah. they had cheated him out of yes. the money and that was the yeah. key element i think i was missing was like they didn't just go kidnap her because they were mad he felt like he was cheated out of money so now he's trying mm-hmm. to essentially get money paid back to him by kidnapping toffany that's the part i was missing there was a story element but i apologize for interrupting with my with my nonsense um <laughs> my mind is sorted out now yeah well it has been like on the two weeks since you watched it has episode. Been. i watched yeah, it like least... My, an hour ago my greatest ago, regret uh, is that i didn't get to watch it again i literally got in the house like i don't know a half hour before i started my greatest regret <laughs> is that i didn't get to watch it again just because i enjoy this one so much 
But yeah. no, that was the missing story element is he was trying to get money back because he felt like they were in cahoots and cheated him out of money. And that's why this little boy came beat up this little girl and took everybody's money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was a absolutely great fight. Like she ends up fighting the main like Vince McMahon head guy. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh and she takes she takes him out fairly easily, really easily, really. And um it ends with Toph like admitting to her father, like, yeah, you know what, well, I'm a really good earthbender and I love it, like love being an earthbender. And you think like, oh, he might have finally got the lesson, like yeah, you know, I should let my daughter be herself. And instead, he went the opposite way. It was like, well, this only proves that you need more restraint and and you need to be guarded even more. And, uh, and unfortunately, like, he now tells Aang to leave. Um, and then once they're, once they're about to leave, um, Toph runs away from home and, uh, and she joins them. And a really great moment. Also, I want to backtrack here for a minute. Sokka went shopping and bought a purse. <laughs> a very nice purse that matches the belt. So when Aang won the belt, he was like, oh yeah, I really like the purse now. It matches the belt. Um, just a nice Sokka humor in this episode. This is the first like, time we realized that Sokka really loves shopping because he shops a lot <laughs> more in the future. He does. I don't know if that ever occurred to uh, me until just now. <laughs> That's where that love started. So then when, when Toph comes back, like... She wants the belt. So she makes, so like, Aang is like, you're going to be a great teacher. And she's like, yeah, you know what? I got some teacher right now. So come and look. So right when he lands, she just like hits him with an earth bending thing and he flies into a tree. And then she's like, I'll take the belt back. And then Sokka takes it off and throws it at her. <laughs> she doesn't see it. So it just hits her in the face. Oh my gosh. Listen, things coming <laughs> through the air. That's still a weak point for her. I forgot about that. That's beautiful. <laughs> It's poetic injustice is what that is. Yeah. Poetic oh, injustice. Uh, so I, I love that clip for a lot of reasons in my in my uh Isaka, the the father of of um of Su Yin, the the daughter of Toph. Like that's one of my in, part of my intro in it and it's kind of just epitomizes like like Sokka throwing something at Toph epitomizes that he is not the father really. Like I kind of in a way <laughs> was trying to foreshadow that like no Sokka doesn't care about Toph. That way, that way. He doesn't that's a, like lovers. So uh, that's a weird Mario reveal. I dig it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The the parents getting restrictive is another part where again it struck me as maybe, I guess all I'm trying to get <clears> at <throat> is we get through the WrestleMania portion and it has the vibes of like this sort of goofy a goofier episode, uh, a lighter hearted one. Uh, but again, the things with like parents straight up turning on the Avatar, thinking he's a kidnapper, and now we've got this. I would say fairly realistic portrayal of parents where as mm -hmm. much as we all kind of want to have like a fairy tale moment in our life and be like, Hey, this is where I turned a corner and became a great person. That's not really how life works. And you know what? There's a good chance that in that situation, parents would be more restrictive. Like, Hey, you've been sneaking out from under our care. We thought we were being careful. We weren't. They're not just going to suddenly lighten up. They're probably going to get more restrictive. Like that's a realistic picture, even if it's not a fun one. But it just caught me as like sort of surprisingly uh, a different mood than the rest of the episode. Uh, not in a bad way. I just, I sort of wasn't expecting yeah. it. I was expecting what everybody else wanted, which is, we're so proud of you. Go with the Avatar, save the world. And no, this was kind of mm -hmm. more real. And it snuck up on yeah. me a little bit. Maybe not. Yeah, so then they, they, send, uh, they send these two odd couple together to go uh, 
capture Toph again because they believe that Avatar kidnapped her. So that's a it, it leads into you know further stuff. So really glad that that happened. Ooh, that's a good what if video. Like what if her parents were actually understanding? She might have never learned metal bending. So huh. that's pretty. That's that's messed up. You just changed the trajectory of earth bending for a century, Chris, with that one. Yeah. Sentence. Crazy, holy crap! Okay, I got well now. I got a video idea. Video. Hopefully, no one steals this. <laughs> Man, one of our 10 people that listens is gonna steal this video. No, uh, like, and, and they will also have to be YouTubers. <laughs> like, this is such a actually, that's a pretty narrow little niche. But uh, uh you know, what? if somebody does steal it, you just straight up debate them, and whatever they say, just be contradictory and be better than they are. That's you know, hmm. contradict and better attack. Um, listen and wait before attacking. <laughs> And then, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and that kind of leads into uh, the next couple episodes, but we wanted just to do one episode tonight. I say we. Um, it could have just been me. Maybe you didn't care. But just one yeah, episode yeah. because I, I really enjoy this one, and it's fun to give Toph sort of her own full introduction. It's just this really is a very episode. heavy Toph episode. It is. It's almost pure Toph, and I dig it, yeah. especially because the next few episodes aren't the most flattering of Toph. Like this episode is kind of cool and fun, but the next few aren't really showing like a uh, a side that makes her anybody's favorite character. I don't think. Um, I think that takes a yeah, while. No. There's a dip yeah. in the character development string here, but that's good. That's part of what makes her come along in the end and endear her to so many. But long story short, I think this episode needed to be done alone. I'm glad we did it this way. Uh, I don't think I have anything else. You want to get to some scores? Yep. All right, so. Uh-oh. If you're new here, we actually uh, do uh, score these and break them out into three sections. So the first section of story, I gave a... Uh, audio visual oh, first. Audio visual. Why do I... Oh, that's just why I do my reviews. I always start off with story. I'm mean, movie reviews. And, those. and you anyway, know what? I got to be honest, I have no idea why I organized them the way that I did. <laughs> and then, But it was too late. I just kept going. It was too late by the time I thought about it. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so, Audiovisual gave it a nine. The fight is absolutely great. Just the way she uses the dust and this kind of the sand, um, and just the fighting style that Toph uses is uh, really great. This is one of those cases where I, I think the animation is is really good. It's not like amazing, but just the actual like physical animation is really great. So, nine out of ten there. Story gets an eight out of ten. There's not much story arc change here or any growth here uh, we just get introduced to a new really great character so that just gets a eight out of ten on to memorable because we got introduced to such a great character it gets a nine and a half out of ten this is one of those amazing first introductions to a character that i think we've uh, we've ever gotten i think this is the best introduction to a character in avatar I'd agree with that. Nowhere else does the timing even sort of present itself this way that we could have such a great introduction. Uh, I don't know why I'm interrupting you during your scores instead of just saying that during mine. (laughs) That's a great point. Let me make you feel good about it. (laughs) Uh, Breeze, I'll wait to have a score to an 8.6 out of 10. That's a pretty good episode right there. Uh, Spoiler alert, my my ratings, same as yours. Uh, Different reasons, though. Audio, visual, I, I tend to be, I, when I look back at my previous episodes, the thing that tends to get me with audiovisual is if I see maybe a lot of different things done well. And we have that here. We've got 
uh, several different environments, uh, different styles and pacing of music. Um, I, I, I distinctly love the two sides of Toph. Like you get, uh, you get uh, Earthbending Rumble Toph versus Beifong Toph, and those environments they do a really nice job of depicting that dichotomy. Yeah, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nine maybe could have scratched nine and a half. I just don't have that kind of guts. So nine story. There's uh, it leads into a good story. This string, uh, this dramatic string over the next couple of episodes of Toph being integrated into the group is a really powerful story. Uh, but we don't get all that here. Just getting the first taste of it. Um, so I can't go much higher than eight. I'd love to because it's very interesting. But uh, as it stands by itself, eh, eight, nothing, nothing wrong with an eight. Memorable, nine and a half. Uh, specifically, the wrestling, the rumble itself. And like I said, the the dramatic shift from the great sort of hilarious, lighthearted rumble scenes to later a couple things that, um, at least this time, and I'm sure they did the first time I watched it through, catching me just a little bit off guard as, as shifting gears emotionally a little faster than I expected. All those lead into a pretty memorable episode. So because my weights are different, mine came out to an 8.8. Uh, even though he has the exact same scores. <laughs> I don't know if that's a flaw or a good thing. I can't decide. Long story no, short. it's a good thing. It's, it's a really great episode, and we, we love it, and we'd recommend it. Uh, that wraps up a lot of things that we love about Apatar into one episode. <clears throat> Just, <clears throat> oh, I'm, I'm uh, cutting out here. Chris, you chime in. <laughs> uh, yeah, so 8.7 out of 10. Really great episode. Uh, so in... Um... <laughs> I really ever know how to really wrap these things up. Either, Inclusion, yeah. Toph is a Toph is a BA, and we're gonna see even more BA Toph moments uh, to come. So I do think so this, a really great introduction. I think this episode, uh, what I was trying to get before I got choked up, I was so sad I choked up. Uh, darn sinus <laughs> infection. It it wraps up a lot of different things that we like about Avatar, which is there's a very dynamic, unique characters. Uh, some story elements that feel real and kind of powerful, but a lot of lighthearted things too. It just, uh, if you were going to pick an episode to have a, a non-Avatar fan watch, uh, this could be in there. I think they'd miss a little from content. I think so, yeah. This one would fit nicely, yeah. and you'd get all of the morals without needing all the background. And that's probably why we like it at its core, I think. That's a wrap. That's all I got. <laughs> we'll be back. Uh, we will be back in two weeks. Um, I don't really remember the next episode so much, so I'll make sure I watch that one again. Well, but I know that Chris likes it. Is, it's great. So, yeah. I know it's a very emotionally driven episode, and uh, so it'll be a little bit of a shift in gears from this one. And also, mm. again, like I mentioned, what we see, uh, much as I love Toph, what we see of Toph in the next few episodes, not Toph's best side. So there's some of that, uh, some of that that I think pops up immediately in the next episode as well. So pretty interesting. Two weeks from now, uh thursday night it'll be up by friday morning thank you guys very much for tuning in if you have thoughts or missed details from the tough boomy fight i think we'd both be interested mm-hmm. to hear it's a big yeah. series we'd love to know what details we missed and uh especially if you pick out details from within the tv show that we've missed not necessarily the outside canon um, i will certainly be very grateful as i overlook things all the time <laughs> and would love to know more so hey tell us what you think there uh if you if you're yeah and uh and if I'm be uh, a little bit pretentious enough, if, if anyone have any, have, if anyone has any uh, questions for us, you know, I don't, know, I don't mind answering random questions. So go ahead and um, I don't know, hit me up on Twitter, email, 
I think our email's on here. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. Theobjectivegeek at gmail.com. You can guys email me there. I, um, I do yeah. mind being asked questions. I'm just going to redirect them all to Chris and await the answer also because your questions are <laughs> better than what I can answer. So, But I will happily uh, listen for an answer with you. Yeah, get Chris at uh, objective underscore geek on Twitter. Mine's Sean Shaler on Twitter. I'll make sure those are in the description below. Or uh, go just go watch Chris's videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Leave him some comments if you're thinking about it and it's related to Avatar. If he hasn't already made a video mm-hmm. about it, chances are he might want to in the future. So go drop him a comment after you watch his sure. videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you guys very much for hanging out. And we look forward to talking again in a couple weeks about a very emotional episode. I'll make sure I'm in the right state of mind to take that one in when the time comes. Chris, great to talk to you again. I will talk to you soon. Peace.